here on Thanksgiving, I wish to make available to us all two critically helpful psalms that are worship psalms. One, um, a public worship psalm, and the other, a private worship psalm. Psalm 100 has brought us the doxology. We'll, uh, Nathan will lead us that as we move towards the end of the service. We'll sing the doxology together. Psalm 103 is a psalm of David and a psalm that was a favorite of my mother's. And as, the, as I've gotten older, even years after her death, I've begun to see that sometimes, my mother being one of them, um, we are less than excited about life, and we need God's help. In fact, we need to talk to ourselves. And Psalm 103 is the psalmist talking to himself to remember why it is he needs to be thankful and grateful. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. It's a, it's a conversation with himself that moves him to pay attention to who, what God is doing. Well, we begin not with Psalm 103, but Psalm 100. Hear the word of God as you uh, see it on the screen, if you so desire, or simply follow along. Hear the word of God in Psalm 100 first. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us, and we're his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. And then we turn to Psalm 103, and I will sing just, I will sing, I will read, I won't be singing Psalm 103, we'll read uh, select verses, um, a powerfully important psalm uh, that begins with, bless the Lord, O my soul, and, and begins with, bless the Lord, O my soul, but I will read uh, just a number of verses down through verse 8. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. For he knows how we were made. He remembers we are dust. The word of the Lord. 
Hold on, don't go away. Gratitude makes life enjoyable. Gratitude gives us eyes to see things that we don't normally see. You and I know what it is to know people who are not grateful but are arrogant. Um, I remember in my first church meeting a man in the neighborhood who everybody called a millionaire because he had pulled himself up by his bootstraps without anyone else's help. It is at least my experience that the people who would share that creed with the world often are arrogant and very difficult to live with. They don't seem to be very happy with themselves or with anyone else or life because they've made it on their own and no one has helped. I said gratitude makes life enjoyable and it makes us better people in my opinion. That's my bias. And it seems to me when we're ungrateful, when we're not in touch with thanksgiving, this is how we look at people. People just tend to be blobs. They tend to be stick figures. They don't have faces. We don't know them. We're, because we're wrapped up in ourselves and there's no color in things. In reality, when we have gratitude... We see the modern family for what it is. People have faces. They have different skin tones. They have different gifts. They have different kinds of sense of humor. They have different backgrounds. They're a wonderful, diverse combination of incredible human beings that God has given us. Gratitude enables us to see life in color. And so I think it's important this morning for us to, uh, to wrestle with this matter because sometimes we're not very grateful and we can be glad for Psalm 103. Sometimes we're just not able to see people as they really are, as God created them in God's own image. They look like uh, faceless forms, but instead they are marvelous creatures that God has endowed with all kinds of gifts and abilities. Well, this morning, Psalm 100 helps us come to appreciate the, the, the strength of gratitude to God. In fact, Psalm 100 really is all about worship instruction, and it gives us, it gives us seven words, seven particular words. If you count them, um, you can follow along that worshipers are meant to heed. Make a joyful noise, worship God with gladness, Come into God's presence with singing. Know the one in charge is God. Enter the sanctuary with thanksgiving. Give thanks to God. Bless God's name. And then at the very end of the psalm, we get the reason why. And the reason why is, for the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. So, in truth, there, this is a worship instruction psalm, but there's something far more than worship instruction here. There's an underlying message, and I take the, my cue from this very middle verse, verse 3. It's act, the actual center of the psalm. Know that the Lord is God. It is God that made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. 
And so at the very heart of the psalm, there is a, a, a rather simple, profound message that God is here, that God is Savior, and that God is good. Now, it's likely that you know these things to be true, but I share them, quite frankly, in the hope that reminding you and seeing these portrayed again on the screen and in our minds and hearts here the week of Thanksgiving, you'll be reminded of reasons you are grateful to God, reasons you are grateful to the people by whom you're seated, grateful to the Spirit at work in your life, making things possible that you might never have experienced before. And so this morning, join me for a brief walk through these profound truths. And I want to begin in the obvious place with this first idea, God is here. Now, you and I likely believe that God is everywhere. But you probably well know that there was a time when the children of Israel had to go from deliverance from Egypt and slavery to Mount Sinai and then, then into a wilderness and one of the resources that they had was the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant, this is a picture uh, written by the artist James Tissot, a, a, Swiss, a Swiss artist. He portrays Moses and Aaron bowing before the Ark of the Covenant. Inside the Ark of the Covenant, there was a jar of manna that the children of Israel had collected from the ground. It was a reminder that God provided for them daily provided for them. In the Ark of the Covenant were the Ten Commandments that God had given to Moses on Mount Sinai. And also in the Ark of the Covenant was somehow in that box was the staff of Aaron that Moses took in his hand and threw on the ground in front of Pharaoh and it became a snake. And later it came to bud. But the staff of Aaron was in the Ark of the Covenant. And these three artifacts somehow allowed the presence of God to be located with the ark. And so read in Numbers um, how the ark of the covenant was at the very center place as they marched through the wilderness together because they believed that the presence of God was somehow identified with the ark of the covenant. Now, you've heard of the ark of the covenant before. Uh, maybe you've seen Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. People have all kinds of ideas about the Ark of Israel and what it meant and what it means. In reality, different uh, churches have different ideas about the presence of God. Um, there are some churches that believe that, that God is particularly present in the elements that are on the Lord's table. Uh, Martin Luther used to say that in the communion, God is in, with, and under the elements. We Presbyterians would remind ourselves that wherever the word is rightly preached and the sacraments are faithfully shared, there is the church. But we're also aided by the word of God that reminds us with Psalm 100 and Psalm 103, whether we are aware of it individually or personally or not, that God is here. And so this morning, it's important that you and I consider the reality as we come to the worship center at Meadow Lake Church, that in this familiar place with these wall hangings and this communion table and 
with his praise band leading us, that the God of the cosmos, the creator of the world, the Christ of the New Testament, the Spirit of God is here with us now, that God is here. And knowing that God is here, we may remember that we worship a living God. God is not some kind of deity far beyond us. We can't fully understand God because God is a mystery. But one thing we do believe, we believe God is here. But we also believe that God is Savior. And Psalm 103 reminds us that we are God's flock and God is the shepherd and that God cares for us. God forgives our sin and heals our diseases and rescues us from the pit and crowns us with steadfast love and mercy and satisfies with good as long as we live. Sometimes you and I forget how we need a Savior. Sometimes we forget that God is Savior over us. And Psalm 103 is real enough and actual enough to remind us sometimes we need to say, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. We need to talk to ourselves and remember who God is and what God has done for us. Surely there are times in all our lives when we think we have little need of God and something happens and we do something we never expected we might do. And Psalm 103 reminds us God does not deal with us according to our sins nor repay us according to our iniquities. Just as we said this morning, God removes our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west. It is important, I believe, and vital for all of us as believers to remember that sometimes we need a Savior. And Jesus comes into this world to save every one of us from our bad choices, to save every one of us from the influence of a culture and a world that may be angry and negative and malicious and violent. We need a Savior to rescue us. Not only does Psalm 100 say God is here, it also says God is Savior. And finally, we remember God is good. Now, probably all of us would say, I believe that. If you read through the Old Testament many times, you will hear the, the phrase, God's steadfast love endures forever. The older I get, the more I realize that there are many things in life that, that do not endure. But the psalmist would remind us, the Old Testament remind us, and the New Testament would as well, God's steadfast love endures forever. Now, the God we worship today has been portrayed many ways. And you can hear that talked about in churches and chapels all over the world. God is a God full of wrath. God is a God of judgment. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. But the psalm does not go there for now. It simply declares that God is good. God is faithful and loyal to all generations. Now, how do we know God is good? We learn of God's goodness very various ways. I remember reading a sermon once, and it offered the witness of a World War I veteran who, who believed in God, but he framed his testimony this way. How do I know that God is good? I don't. 
I've seen horrible things in my life. I've seen men die on a battlefield. I've seen people in pain. I've seen families torn apart. I have seen disease and sickness and war. And the truth is, life stinks sometimes. And I'm a betting man. I will always wager my meager faith against the loving God over life's stink. How do I know that? How do I know that God is good? I don't for sure, but I have seen misery in this world, and I am still learning. And I have seen some things, but I've not seen everything. And so I place a bet. I wager that God is good every time. Now, people will tell us, the church will offer us witness, the scripture is clear, God is here, God is Savior, God is good. In fact, it declares that many times in many ways. This morning we are approaching Thanksgiving Day. I share this uh, painting that I love by Norman Rockwell. You've seen this. You also may know that Norman Rockwell paints four paintings uh, that are similarly related, he, he, he paints a, uh, a painting that he calls Freedom from Fear. He paints one that he calls Freedom of Religion, and he paints one called Freedom of Speech. This is freedom from want. What one could call the week we're in a season of thanksgiving, and if we want to live life to the full, I think sometimes we may have to go looking for thanksgiving it's not simply a meal or even a national holiday, but I believe it's helpful to invite the spirit of thanksgiving into minds and hearts, even now, even this day. And so let us pause as a church. Let us pause as individuals and worshipers to consider how it is we are seeing God at work, how it is we may be grateful for Meadow Lake Presbyterian Church. Let us consider inviting thanksgiving in. Amen. Let us pray.